Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Krishna Janmashtami is an important Hindu celebration It marks the birth of Lord Krishna, an avatar of the Lord Vishnu, and the intention of ridding the people from the tyranny of King Konza. It was envisioned as the embodiment of good versus evil. Yet somehow, as you will see, evil always finds a way to prevail. First, eyes that stalk in the night followed by paranoia underlined with a death stroke. Then, literally, being blinded by evil. Finally, in our featured story, death lurks in the banyan trees. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcasts, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Evil will prevail. Those that typically care for us can also in an instant turn into our worst nightmare. What would you do if someone you trusted implicitly suddenly wanted revenge and no matter what was always watching? Maybe your reaction would be similar to the people in this story inspired by Shayan. I am the youngest of seven siblings. My parents are wealthy, owning hundreds of almond trees in Pakistan, with plenty of employees to work the fields. Because seven children were more than a handful, my parents hired a nanny named Mimona. She was older than most nannies, and it was easy to tire her, although seven wards, even with me being just an infant, would not have been easy for anyone. I've been told that one day my brothers were playing out in the almond trees when Mamona called for them to come inside for lunch. They refused, giggling cheekily, 
Her patience had worn thin by this point, so she gathered up her skirts and began to climb one of the almond trees to retrieve my older brother. But just as she got to the highest point of the tree and reached out for him, she slipped. She fell 20 feet, snapping her neck instantly, stone cold dead. My siblings all ran inside to get help, but because I was a baby, I was left lying on the picnic blanket, lying right next to her, next to her dead body. The head twisted the wrong way, a look of fear forever frozen on her face. All I could do was cry until my mother rescued me minutes later. After the shock wore off, my parents held a funeral and we buried Mimona in the family cemetery. My siblings were forbidden to go anywhere near the trees ever again. Not that they wanted to. Too many bad memories and shadows lurking over their shoulders. With news of the incident spreading, no one wanted to be a nanny for our family, leaving our mother to carry the brunt of raising us all by herself as my father worked long hours. It was hard often exhausting work. A few weeks after the accident, my mom was trying to soothe me in the middle of the night, but nothing worked. Apparently, I had been inconsolable for hours and not even nursing would help. My mother was exhausted, and as she kept rocking me, she felt as if she was being watched. She looked toward the window and she saw two black eyes peering behind the curtain and two small feet under the curtain that began to move. It was Mimona. She stepped toward my mother and said, Give me the child. I will soothe him. My mom thought she was seeing things. Mimona, suddenly inches from her face, repeated, Give me the child. I will soothe him. But my mother ran to my father's side to tell him what happened. As my father was about to dismiss her, he saw Mimona in the hallway. He looked down to see her feet were backwards, something my mother had noticed. Instinctively, my father knew that this was the spirit of someone who had unfinished business. And if she was asking for a child, her only intent could be to kill it. And she was likely to kill all of the children who had caused her death. Seeming to sense his wrath, the entity ran, my father becoming more enraged and giving chase, mother hot on his heels. He grabbed his knife, knowing he had to strip her of her hair, where the spirit keeps all of its power. Mamona raced outside and began to climb up the very tree where she died. But as my father reached for her, she pulled him up, her ethereal form belying her strength. She shot up the tree with him, precariously gripped in her hands. As my mother arrived, she cried out, begging Mamona to spare him. I was still in my mother's arms, seemingly impervious to the commotion, and was actually soothed by the sight of my former caregiver. Pleading, my mom urged that killing my father wouldn't solve anything, that it would just send the spirit to purgatory with then no way of righting the wrong. 
If Mimona continued with this horrible deed, killing an innocent man, there would never be a chance of redemption. Finally, the spirit agreed on one condition. For seven generations, the children must be kept out of the trees, and she would be there, watching and waiting for just one of them to mess up. To this day, everyone in my extended family jokes about how this was just a story my parents made up to keep us kids out of the trees, ensuring we were safe and out of the way of the workers. But every now and then, in the middle of the night, when I look out onto the property, I swear, I can see two black eyes staring back at me, watching, waiting. Thank you so much, Shayan, for sending us your story and inspiring this tale. It's interesting that siblings in the same house can have totally different experiences. Would you fear Mimona? Or would you have been comforted by her watchful eyes? She made a choice. She chose to be a spirit to stay around with this family watching. Would you have made that choice? Or would you have made the choice of revenge? no matter what it would have cost you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. There's nothing better than having a supportive boss who treats you well. However, when your boss is too supportive, there might be reason for concern. Like in this story, inspired by Krishna. Aisha felt really good about the way things were going in her life. She and her boyfriend, Jose, had just moved into a new house. And she had just started a job. She loved her work. And to top it off, her new boss, Majid, was incredibly supportive of her. He even gave her a new Montfort pen as a welcoming gift. It was the most expensive pen she had ever owned. As Aisha was settling into her new place, she noticed that little things in her house were going missing. At first, it was some food from her fridge, and then her toothbrush, and then it was the Montfort pen that Majid had given her. She figured it was probably Jose and didn't think much about it. One evening, Aisha woke up in the middle of the night to the feeling that someone's eyes were on her. 
But when she turned on the light, the only thing she saw was Jose sleeping quietly next to her. This happened again when she was taking a shower. She was now beginning to feel uncomfortable. So she decided to install a camera in the hopes that she could prove to herself that she was just being paranoid. At the end of each week, she would fast forward through hours of footage, never finding any evidence that there was something or someone in her home. One evening, after a long day at work, Aisha decided to take a bath. As she closed her eyes and soaked in the bubbles, she could hear the sound of music playing on her record player. It wasn't Jose because he was out of town for business. Aisha got out of the bath, grabbed a kitchen knife, and slowly made her way into the living room. Her living room was empty, but her record player was on. She turned it off and decided to pour herself a drink to calm her nerves. As she opened the fridge for ice, the bloodied body of a rat fell out onto the floor. Since Jose was away, she hurriedly called Majid to come take a look around. Majid came over right away, but found nothing unusual. He thought that maybe the rat had somehow gotten caught in the fridge and died. If she felt uncomfortable, he said, he would be happy to sleep outside in his car. Aisha felt embarrassed and told him it wasn't necessary. She would be fine. Jose came home the following day and Aisha told him everything. He suggested that maybe stress from her job was getting to her, so he booked her a visit to a day spa. After a relaxing day at the spa, Aisha felt like a new person. However, when she got home, Jose was gone. His phone went straight to voicemail. Aisha waited for him to return. After 24 hours passed with no sign of Jose, she filed a missing persons report. The police did a thorough investigation and came to the conclusion that Jose might have just decided to leave Aisha. They didn't believe he was dead because there was no evidence of foul play, but none of his credit cards had been used. He had just disappeared. Completely devastated, Aisha felt like she had no one to turn to but her boss. And Majid was more than happy to be the support system for her. As the months passed and Aisha waited for Jose to return, she began to spend more time with Majid. One night, Majid surprised Aisha with the key to his home. It is silly for you to continue to wait for Jose to return, he said. Still heartbroken, Aisha agreed. She packed up her life and moved in with Majid. As she was putting away her things, she came across her Montvert pen. It was covered in what looked like dry, reddish dirt. Aisha asked him how he had found it, but Majid brushed it off without an explanation. Aisha's house sold quickly, and the new owners decided to knock it down and build a new one. As they bulldozed the last of the demolished house, they discovered the body of Jose. He had been hogtied and gagged. His only wound was a hole in his throat. His neck was also stained dark with black ink. When Aisha was notified by the police of Jose's murder, they told her they had very little evidence, 
except for the wound on Jose's neck. A stab wound from something perhaps like a small, strong rod or a pen. Aisha turned to Majid, who was sitting next to her. She then looked down at her pen. Aisha gasped and looked at Majid, but Majid only smiled. His same friendly, supportive smile. Aisha couldn't help but wonder if the person she was now living with was a killer. Thank you so much, Krishna, for inspiring this tale for us. Listener, have you ever suspected anyone or do you suspect anyone you know of being capable of murder? Would you be able to trust them? Would you dare to ask them if something mysterious and suspicious happened? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarl.com. The country of India is filled with mysterious folklore. Dozens of towns are known for their mysticism, their magic, and occasionally their horror. But many believe it is the Nidhavan Temple in Vridavan that has not only the most interesting story to tell, but the most horrifying, as in this story inspired by Uthiti. Nidhavan translates to treasure forest. But it is not gold and riches you'll find if you go looking. Instead, people have left the temple blind, deaf, and catatonic after simply laying eyes on the property. Or so the story goes. Centuries ago lived Lord Krishna, a god amongst his people. He lived to be 125 years old and was known for hosting nightly dance parties that started at 7 p.m. sharp. It was his favorite pastime, where he indulged in the dance of divine love with his partner Radha and all the other gopis, women who are famous for unconditional devotion to Krishna. He had one rule, and that was that the people in attendance were invite only. No guests of friends or passerbys allowed. Lord Krishna planned on living centuries like this until one fateful night, a hunter mistook him for a deer and killed him. The night he died was the first night in decades that the temple had been quiet. Everything was still. You could hear only the women weeping. The next morning, villagers discovered the land had been vacated. And where there had been flat land surrounding the temple, Now, there were short trees with thick and windy stumps. They appeared to be ancient, but no one recalled their presence before that night. It was peculiar, to say the least. The townspeople decided to preserve the temple and land for visitors who wanted to pay their respects. But they made it known within a few weeks that the doors would be locked at 7 p.m., no matter what. When people asked why, The staff said it was because Krishna's soul remained on the premises and he did not like to be disturbed. What is more unusual is that the staff started with roughly 30 people but had dwindled down to just a handful after a couple of weeks. 
it wasn't hard to figure out why. Those who left their jobs were showing up in town, having lost their eyesight or hearing, or worse yet, some were completely catatonic and lifeless. The survivors that could speak were quick to tell that they had been working on the land past 7 p.m., heard music, and as soon as they followed it, they were immediately blinded or lost other abilities. One staff member alluded that every night, the staff would still make Lord Krishna's bed. Apparently, the day they removed the body from the bedroom, the maid cleaned it the way she normally would, thinking this would be left in perfect condition as a shrine. But the next morning when she arrived, the bed appeared to be slept in. The water next to his bed was partially drunk, and the betel leaf, meant as a breath freshener, had a bite taken out of it. No one knew who it could have been, but after several nights of the maid remaking the bed and setting out water and betel leaf, the next morning would repeat in its mystery. It was as if Lord Krishna was replaying his last night on earth over and over again, and like before, only the invited were allowed. Just before one of the maids lost her sight, she retained a memory. She told the townsfolk that she had accidentally worked too late one night, started to hear the music and covered her ears and began running out as fast as she could. But as she ran to the trees where she thought she was safe, she realized they weren't trees at all. All of the short, stocky trees had come to life. One by one, they turned into gopis who began to dance their way into the temple to meet Krishna. She said she was in awe of their beauty, but as she turned around to watch them enter, her eyes began to burn and she hurried off the property, never able to see again. After several more staff members lost their capabilities and several more passerbys began to lose their mental fortitude, word spread fast. Now, the surrounding town of Vridavan had the same routine every single night around sunset. They all go inside their homes and close their windows, their doors, their curtains, and even their eyes and ears in the hopes that Lord Krishna will spare them and go back to enjoying the party he loves so much. Thank you so much, Yudhati, for sharing this legend that inspired this story. Listener, what would you risk to see the beauty of Krishna's enchanted party? Would you be willing to work in a place where such horrors could happen? The banyan tree is among the most venerated trees in India. For centuries, it has been likened to the shelter that God provides for his devotees. The banyan tree has been ascribed its own personality, one that is a generous ruler that nourishes all. Unless you do not respect its power, then the great protector will quickly turn into the great destructor. A traditional Hindu wedding party spans three whole days. The ceremony takes place on the third, lasting from dawn till dusk. So when my cousin announced her wedding would take place during the middle of my finals week in Dialpa, it wasn't ideal. 
I convinced my family to make the 11-hour trip without me. I'd pay for a driver to take me up for the last night of festivities. But even the best laid plans have a funny way of not quite turning out as you might hope. With my last exam finished, I rushed home. A car pulled up and out stepped Raj, an older man with colorful language, which I found amusing and helped pass the time. A few hours into the drive, we passed by a group of women tying red ribbons around some trees. I asked Raj if he knew what the ribbons represented, and he replied, it was to ward off evil spirits, which are sometimes believed to reside in the banyan trees. The banyans often tricked travelers, sometimes appearing in seemingly solid form, are orbs of blue light. I scoffed. Ghosts are for books and movies. There was no such thing as tree spirits, good or evil. Raj, however, disapproved of my reaction. I wouldn't be so cavalier. I've heard some messed up stories. You see one of those spirits. Well, let's just say they'll be the last thing you ever see. He hesitated for a moment, finally adding, it will be dark soon. I apologized. It seemed as though he knew more about the subject than he was letting on, and I didn't want to cause offense. A few more hours passed, and after the sun had set, I sensed Raj getting apprehensive. His hands gripped the steering wheel, paying more attention to the sides of the road than what lay ahead. Um, Raj, everything okay? Silence. The hairs on the back of my neck began to prickle. Dense trees surrounded us. Fog rolled in from all around. I asked if we should pull over, and he shut me down immediately, stating that no matter what happens, I should stay in the vehicle. That was implicit. He repeated, stay inside the vehicle. I nodded. The wind buffeted against the car. We'd come too far to consider turning back, grasping tightly onto the seat in front of me. Something caught my eye up ahead in the middle of the road. Within a split second, I saw a figure. I screamed. Raj veered immediately off the side of the road, avoiding them, but landing us in a shallow ditch. Heart hammering, I peered outside. Visibility was poor. No sign of the mysterious figure to be had. I tried to open my door, but Raj startled me, shouting, no. He then stepped out to have a closer look. The wind slammed his door shut behind him, making us both jump. Appearing to see nothing, Raj tentatively headed back towards the vehicle. In that moment, a gust of insanely strong wind blew him into the side of the car. The force pushed against him like an unseen hand as he tried to move through it. Finally, he managed to almost claw his way back into the driver's seat, breathing hard. It took us both several moments to calm ourselves. None of what happened was explainable. What the... I started, but Raj cut me off, starting the car. He barely spoke again, but I could see he was trembling. Upon arrival, I rushed straight into the wedding, 
only to realize I had left the gift in the car. But although it was unlocked and the trunk open, there was no sign of Raj. I spotted him walking into the woods. I called out, but he seemed to be in a trance, a strange light up ahead of him, dull, almost bluish in color. I couldn't follow him alone, so I headed back to rally the troops. My father demanded we wait until sunrise, that it wasn't safe. Eventually, we headed into the woods. Almost immediately, I heard a scream. My cousin had found Raj, slumped beneath the banyan tree. His eyes had been plucked out, his throat slit, the ground beneath him stained red. My family swears it must have been a wild animal. But what creature would do that? I know without a shadow of a doubt what happened. We didn't veer from a person on the road that night. It was a Banyan spirit. It attached itself to Raj after he stepped out and encountered that unnatural wind. It followed us. I had witnessed him walking straight into the trap of the blue light. And the only reason I'm still alive is because I did what Raj instructed. I never got out of the car. Otherwise, I too would have been slumped under that tree. Eyeless, bloodless, lifeless. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasowicz. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.